Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. It's great to be back on board once again today here on Purple Mafia, opening up season number 11 of this show, if you can believe that. Season number 12 total in terms of if you want to include Paladino Live, but enough about me. The Minnesota Vikings won today against the San Francisco 49ers. Final score, 20-16. to 16. That's right, 20 to 16. So I missed my prediction by one point. Uh, 49ers just couldn't get that extra point in there, I guess. Uh, no, they just couldn't. They just couldn't get in the end zone a couple of those times, and they wound up with extra field goals instead. So, yeah, well, uh, do I come out of this game feeling sp- uh, spectacular about this team and spectacular about the season? Not yet. Um, there's bright spots. There's encouragement. There's indicators of good things to come. There's indicators of questions, concerns, and same old story, all that. But um, the offensive line protection in the game was mediocre at best, and it kept getting worse, progressively worse and worse, and then eventually it was almost like, can we do anything? And that's where the frustration kicked in. Luckily, though, the defense came through and helped save the day before something happened. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo was not that great, and uh, he incurred his first loss as an NFL starter, if you can believe that. He's 7-0 and as a starter with uh, New England. Big surprise there, right? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Too bad for the Patriots. They couldn't keep him, but San Francisco is another one, though. They're, they're kind of related to the Patriots because of Tom Brady and all that, and kind of cool. Tom Brady grew up in San Francisco area. This and that was a Joe Montana fan. Joe Montana grew up in the Boston area, wound up going to San Francisco, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then Garoppolo goes from New England to San Francisco. Kind of cool how all that kind of connects. Related, unrelated, whatever it is. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo getting his first loss. He only had three interceptions in the game. A big frustration for him, I'm sure. The accuracy just wasn't there. Lots of overthrows, but also wonderful pressures by the Vikings defensive line, linebackers, and safeties as well. And we're talking, yeah, J. Ron Curse and Harrison Smith both had wonderful games. That J. Ron Curse hung on for dear life late into the preseason, and I'm glad we kept him because he looked wonderful in this game. Um, he got an unfortunate penalty for a false start, if you can believe it, on a uh, on a return, which is pretty crazy, but that's because his teammates kind of weren't all ready to go, this and that, and it kind of, there was some miscommunication. It got a little ugly here and there, uh, but, well, my mind is all over the place. It's all a Twitter, so to speak. What a weird game, but uh, you know what? This is a Mike Zimmer team. <laughs> this is usually a Mike Zimmer type of win, where it's kind of like not the highest scoring game, kind of ugly, but we kind of kicked butt in the, at the same time, despite the fact the score looks a little closer than we would like due to a kind of a uh, positive surge later in the game by the San Francisco 49ers for this and that reason. But uh, lots of good closers on defense, and that ended up saving the day. Uh, Kirk Cousins debut as the Minnesota Vikings quarterback was pretty fantastic at the end of the day. Fourth quarter, not so great. Wound up with only 55% completion percentage. Quarterback rating 95.1. So it didn't finish well. It was a lot better earlier. He was in the 120s here and there. He got the nice, easy-looking pass to uh, Stephon Diggs. He just made it look easy. Uh, Him and Thielen have a nice connection. Uh, Delvin Cook was kind of the first safety blanket for uh, uh, Kirk Cousins throughout the game, but also that just plays were designed that way as well to kind of get Delvin Cook rolling. He wound up with 55 yards receiving and and six catches overall for from Delvin Cook. Uh, by far the most targeted guy today was Adam Thielen. He was hitting the helmet at one point in the game, and no 
flag was called. Stefan Diggs also was hitting the helmet at one point. No flag was called. <sighs> Jimmy Garoppolo brought down kind of Aaron Rodgers style, but certainly not anywhere near as violent, you could say, <laughs> per the angle, this and that, by Sheldon Richardson, and a flag was called. So it, it's just, it did kind of feel like the 49ers got a little bit of a, little bit of a positive, uh, <laughs> they were a little bit favored by the referees today in a way, but ah, eh, you know what I mean. I, I, I don't like to blame the referees for this and that, but it did seem things kind of went the 49ers way a little bit more. There were some dumb penalties, some dumb plays, Luckily, very late in the game, the Minnesota Vikings were able to get a rare uh, encroachment call on one of those uh, fourth down, try to get the team to <laughs> try to get the other team to jump type of plays. Everybody knew what was going on, and the Vikings still were able to get one of the 49ers to jump number 94 at the end of the day. And we appreciate it very much. Thank you. Um, I just saw him. <laughs> that is, yep, Solomon Thomas. That's who I thought it was, Thomas. Yeah, I've got him to jump early, and that was great. That ended up help. That ended up helping seal the deal for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, hopes to win the game, but well, it is what it is. Lots of good things, lots of frustrations. How did? Uh, let, let's talk about the punter, since we don't really care about the quarterback or the receivers. Let's talk about the punter. It's more important, right? Yeah, what the hell? He started okay. Had some wonderful, uh, good placement and all that. Didn't have any touchbacks. That's great. Uh, definitely avoided the touchbacks, which obviously is something the punters do not want to do. Of course, the kickoff, uh, the man on the kickoff, that would be Daniel Carlson, obviously, because he's got the big booming leg. He's not like an old Gary Anderson where you, where you need the punter to do it. <laughs> a guy with a bigger leg like Mitch Berger and such. Um, no touchbacks for Matt Weil, so nice debut in that sense. Not the prettiest average because some of those punts were kind of you know, he's kind of in tight tight windows, this and that. He did have a 56-yard pretty early. Not bad. Not a bad debut for Matt Weil, though. So at least he wasn't getting touchbacks and all that. So that helped. Uh, four of his six punts were in the 20. So excellent. Uh, you can't say the same thing about Pinion. Only one of his four punts were in the 20, but nicer average. But at the end of the day, the in-20 is the more important part. Special teams were not anything special per se today. The Vikings defense was special. You saw some turnovers you saw some big plays you saw some sacks and that's really what ended up winning the game today the offense looks nice at times but then again as the game progressed the protection for Kirk Cousins got worse and worse and worse and that's what scared me and that leads me to this take here call it a hot take call it a no duh take call it a stupid take call it panicking in the first week whatever it is but this offensive line will be the difference if the Vikings are out in the first round, out in the second round, or Super Bowl champions. I mean, if this offensive line were to be a very good offensive line, and Kirk Cousins would have time to actually make plays and this and that, the way Kirk Cousins, <laughs> the, the presence he has, the arm he has, the accuracy he has, when he's not rushed, is, is something to see. It is something to see. Uh, and to me, clearly, with these two receivers and the other weapons you have, like Delvin Cook, uh, Latavius Murray, David Morgan, who made a really big-time play today, even Tyler Conklin made a catch, and Kyle Rudolph made a catch. All three of the tight ends made catches that were key, particularly late. Kyle Rudolph was the last one to actually make a catch, and it was only one. It was a touchdown. Very, very key down the stretch that ended up helping seal the deal, helping seal the deal, put the Vikings in a good position so the 49ers would have a hell of a time coming back, we'll say. 11-yard catch in the corner of the end zone, which is usually where he likes to be. <laughs> that was great. But, uh, again, it's the offensive line that's key. The weapons. This team has weapons for... 
Kirk Cousins to throw the ball. And if he doesn't have time to throw the ball, you're screwed. Um, the good part was you didn't see any stupid plays from Kirk Cousins. You didn't see any recklessness that player that people were afraid of in the offseason. Like, are you really sure you want to commit this much money to a guy that likes to duck, uh, basically chuck and duck? That's kind of the uh, the phrase they use, chuck and duck, which means you yeah, throw the ball and just duck and hope for the best, that type of thing, which can obviously be very dangerous, um, like an interception down the field, this and that. But you didn't see a whole lot of that today. Uh, he protected the ball when he needed to. You even saw a tiny bit of mobility out of him. Um, He's not a true statue. He can move a little bit, but at the same time, again, he's not, you know, he's not Teddy Bridgewater when uh, Bridgewater was healthy. He's not uh, Case Keenum's mobility. But the difference between Case Keenum, for sure Case Keenum, is that Kirk Cousins can throw the ball in traffic and can complete passes in traffic. He can thread the needle between multiple defenders, and that's what you saw today, particularly to Adam Thielen, but also to Stefan Diggs. And that's great. Uh, That's the difference between Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum and even Teddy Bridgewater until maybe maybe, maybe you're going to see more and more out of that out of Teddy Bridgewater. It's not like I watched every play from Teddy Bridgewater from the, uh, against the Jets and also you got to factor in he's playing against second teamers. So again, it's a little easier to do well against second teamers as much as I love Teddy and I think he is a starting quarterback in this league. I think he's Pro Bowl caliber. Uh, God willing, he's a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback in this league. Um... But Kirk Cousins, there's no doubt he's Pro Bowl caliber. There's no doubt he has the ability to thread the needle. I mean, multiple defenders. And he was able to complete those passes. And that's what that's what makes me encouraged that this could be a Super Bowl team if you protect the bleeping quarterback. That's what needs to be done at the end of the day. <sighs> you just wish there was a deal out there for this guy or that guy, but it's so hard. I mean... Nobody out there <laughs> owes us any favors, and that's just how it is. I mean, that's how it is. Nobody's going to owe us any favors. Wow, I'm banging into stuff here. Pardon me. Um, luckily, we got Brett Jones, and he was adequate today, but generally speaking, the offensive line protection was mediocre at best. Uh, there was a pretty good block by Compton along the way on one of Murray's runs. That was very helpful. At the end of the day, very, very helpful. Complin uh, showing a little bit of that run-blocking ability down the field, kind of like what you would have got from Nick Easton. Eh, God rest his season, unfortunately. Pat Elfline will be back, which is very encouraging. But Complin, uh, obviously looking to <laughs> earn snaps at this point because, again, it's going to be between, be between him and Brett Jones for that left, tack- uh, left guard position. Pardon me. I hope not for left tackle, right? No, that's Riley Reef, of course, without a doubt. He's had his moments. He's had his negative moments, his positive moments. Generally speaking, Rarely Reef is the best uh, man on the on the line there, obviously. But to get a healthy Pat offline pack once and for all would be great, would be key. And then you can make a decision between Complin and Jones. Wouldn't be surprised if Complin gets more snaps early on, and if Jones is the better guard, then so be it. It is what it is. May the best man win. And, of course, we all know what can happen in an NFL season. Things happen. So who knows, uh, just, just if, if, just because Complin might not start some games doesn't mean he's not going to get major snaps and might not start <laughs> the next week. You just don't know. So we continue. You got your Delvin Cook. You got your Adam Thielen. Guys to throw the ball to. David Morgan can catch anything. That guy, you know, that's the thing. It's like you think he's just a blocking back, but that guy can catch anything. He's just not a supreme athlete, that's all. But he's quick enough to make moves and get around. Uh, he's quick enough to at least have some straight line speed on occasion. He's not going to be the fastest guy, but he's going to make plays. Um, 
gosh, every every little attempt to C.J. Ham looked like it was going to be an interception or something. Like the ball was going to be batted up the air and picked off by uh, <laughs> by, by one of the second by members of the secondary or linebacking core for uh, San Francisco. Laquan Treadwell had a wide open drop that would have kept a drive alive. Third and six, he would have been like. I don't know, 15 yards down the field, at least 11, wide open. Any type of yards after catch could have taken him 25 yards, maybe, uh, possibly. Any type of momentum forward, and he dropped a wide open pass. And then you had one which generated a little rant for myself, where he was clearly held by Mr. Big Mouth, Richard Sherman. That's right, the former Seattle Seahawk, the guy who once uh, went off on the 49ers after he blocked a pass, deflected a pass to uh, Crabtree and went off on his bullcrap rant, and that was the end of me ever cheering for him the rest of his life. <laughs> God forbid. But then he starts chirping at Laquan Treadwell. When clearly it was a hold, there was no call, and the guy just chirping at Treadwell like he schooled him. Really? Really, Richard? Really, Richard? Come on. Come on, Richard. You, you know you're not the same player. You're in no position to be to be bleep-talking, so pardon moi there. Uh, let's just move on. Laquan Treadwell? Mm. Did have a key catch not long after that. It was a 16-yarder, and thank you. Wound up with two catches and 18 yards. Four targets on the day for Treadwell. Nothing spectacular. Uh, Stefan Diggs, yeah, he doesn't get many yards, does he? <laughs> because he's covered very well often. He's the most dangerous guy, even though Adam Thielen, you could say, is the most, most reliable receiver that also has explosive capabilities. He's just not as dangerous as Stefan Diggs, obviously. Stefan Diggs gets a step on you, it's game over. So that's one of the reasons Stefan Diggs is looked on as the top guy, even though he doesn't get the top numbers. Nice, just sexy play. Just made it look so easy. The Kirk Cousins pass to uh, Stefan Diggs looked effortless, just effortless, and it was wonderful. So that felt awfully good. Um... It didn't even look like he was even, like, Cousins looked like he was just tossing it. And it was, what, 25 yards down, 22 yards. It felt like longer. But just like an easy toss. Same for the 34-yarder to Thielen, though that was more in the 20s and there was yak. That's the other thing about Thielen. He's got those quick feet, can explode after catch. And, again, we love Adam Thielen for that, without a doubt. Uh, so, nice overall game for the offense. But at the end of the day, the story, even though we got to enjoy the the conversation of the offense. We have to talk about the defense today and the amazing job they did. Now, of course, <laughs> things changed a bit in the second half. That offense for San Francisco, and you know what? It's t it, This happens all the time where the Vikings give up a ton of yards, and then we come up with a big play, a big key fumble, forced by Linval Joseph, ultimately ended up being recovered by... Trey Waynes, and we appreciated that so much. I mean, San Francisco looked like they could have scored standing up, but on multiple occasions, San Francisco's failures down the stretch are what cost them the game, and they're going to be kicking themselves for a while, because maybe this game ultimately ends up costing them a chance to make the playoffs. We'll just have to wait and see. Some people think they're going to win the division. I don't know about that yet. I mean, the Los Angeles Rams look like the stronger team so far, but uh, overall, big game here today. Uh, you saw a turnover forced by uh, Xavier Rhodes. It was very key down the stretch. Harrison Smith with a huge uh, interception very late in the game. That was that was big. Huge sack and such. Uh, Harrison Smith ended up sealing the deal for me at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> he ended up sealing the deal for something. We'll get to that in a moment. But some just huge tackles for loss on the uh, 49ers running backs. Morris especially, who, again, the offensive line for San Francisco did a good job against the Vikings' defensive line. Let's give them credit. Uh, they opened some huge holes up the middle, which really helped Morris. 
of San Francisco. Again, if you don't have good blocking, you're not going to have a good running game. You're not going to have good this or good that. There were no huge plays, and that's what the Vikings avoided from the running game. Now, there were big plays in the passing game, and there were some that were dropped that could have been even bigger for San Francisco, but luckily for us, it didn't happen. Um, but good run blocking down the stretch by San Francisco, and that made the Vikings defense look pretty bad on a couple plays there down the stretch, and it helped prolong San Francisco's offensive uh, series down the stretch. George Kittle, though, he could have easily had about 150 yards in this game if he didn't drop a wide-open pass, but he did, and that ended up being fourth down for San Francisco, Lucky, luckily for us. Uh, Pettis, there are a couple of huge opportunities for him that he dropped, one in the end zone. Also, a great play, unbelievable debut for Mike Hughes. He got beat badly by Pettis later on, so there is that, and that was one of the drives that helped San Francisco catch up and get closer in the game. So there was that. He did bite on a move, which was unfortunate, and Pettis had enough space. Or actually, it was Kittle, uh, ultimately with one of his thirty, one of his thirty-yard gains there. Uh, Kittle could have had a humongous game. Not many people think about him very much. Goodwin was hurt early in the game, made a return, did not make a catch. Uh, Garcon pass was broken up by Mike Hughes in the end zone, and that ended up help, helping save the day. That cost the 49ers four points. They had to settle for a field goal. That was huge as well. Pierre Garçon banged up really early, a little bit by Trey Waynes, but ended up playing most of the game. Did not factor all through much. It was mostly George Kittle and Trent Taylor here and there, but again, inaccurate passes by Jimmy Garoppolo. And of course, the pressure by the Vikings defense was immense most of the game. And that also forced the young, the still fairly young Jimmy Garoppolo into mistakes. Uh, young as a starting quarterback, no doubt. But believe it or not, he's already 26 years old. So <laughs> it's time to giddy up for him. This is his golden opportunity, and he's got all that all that money in the bank already. Lucky guy there. But um, Vikings defense did have some gaffes, and there was some good blocking by San Francisco. But luckily, at the end of the day, the defense came up big when it mattered most. The big sacks and, of course, the fumble fumble recovery that ultimately went to Trey Waynes, but the uh, fumble caused by Mr. Linval Joseph, who was unbelievable throughout the game today, as he usually is. I gave That's why I gave him the MVP award last year. Uh, Harrison Smith's sack sealed the deal. The Vikings were able to run the clock out. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, really, 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 really nice debut. And got into the action time and time again. The three technique that the Vikings gave $12 million on a one-year contract. Very happy to have him on board. And, uh, boy, <laughs> reminding you a little bit about the old number three. Certainly a different different build, different this, different that, different era, but looking valuable like the old number 93 who made the Hall of Fame a few years ago. <clears throat> we all know who that is, at least most of us. Daniel Hunter was outstanding throughout the game as well. Ben Gideon got beat on some plays, but also, again, was valuable. Uh, wonderful debut, though, for Mike Hughes, I, I have to say. So an overall solid game. Uh, Anthony Barr, you didn't really notice him that much. Eric Kendricks forced a fumble that was recovered by San Francisco around the goal line, but luckily there was another fumble later on. Again, like I mentioned, 16 times now. Forced by Linval Joseph, recovered by Waynes. It was the defense that saved the day here. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, the defense saved the day for the Vikings in a game that could have, you know, you could have ultimately said the defense cost us the game too in some plays where certain young guys, certain young secondary players were beat. Xavier Rhodes wasn't perfect in the game, but he was generally good. Uh, Mike Hughes was beat here and there. Trey Waynes was beat here and there. But luckily for us, Kittle dropped that one pass. And at the end of the day, it's a bend but not break type of defense at times where we'll give up some big plays. But 
we just don't let them get in the end zone. We, we just don't. Uh, San Francisco did finally get in once in the third quarter, but 16 points isn't going to get it done in U.S. Bank Stadium at the end of the day, thankfully, as the Vikings offense was uh, <laughs> up for the challenge. San Francisco's pass rush did well, but at the same time, it's going to look better against this offensive line, and that's a big part of the problem. So at the end of the day, we'll look at the awards before I start rehashing every little thing here and there, this and that. <laughs> The Fran Turkington Award today has to go to Harrison Smith. It's like at the very beginning, or in the you know in the third quarter and such, when Mike Hughes stopped that play and all the other good plays. So many deflections, so many good stops throughout the game today, along with the interception he got that really got things going, put the Vikings up 17 to three. That was humongous. You, you just felt like a million bucks when when Mike Hughes got that pick six into the end zone, 17 to three. You just oh, it was great. <clears throat> He thought he sealed the deal again by breaking up the pass to Garcon. But then it's like Kirk Cousins had that strong, beautiful, beautiful drive that ultimately got the Vikings their 24 points. <sighs> he wished it was more, and it could easily have been more in the fourth quarter, but nothing happened. Big old goose egg, as you can see right there. <laughs> A yucky fourth quarter for the Vikings offense, to say the least. Um, but it's like, for a while, it's like, okay, it's Mike Hughes, it's Kirk Cousins, but then it's like, you know what, Harrison Smith has been involved in everything getting into the backfield, getting the sacks, and then all, uh, getting a sack, getting an interception, and ultimately, he's, he's the Fran Tarkington Award winner. Long story longer. <laughs> How did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers score 48 points on the New Orleans Saints today in, in uh, New Orleans? I can't even believe that, but that's for segment number two. Wow. Well, I guess it's week one in the NFL. Weird, crazy things happening here. Lord have mercy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Bummer. I just saw something I don't like too much. Ah, dang it. That sucks. Ah, Cleveland didn't win the game there, to spoiler alert. Duh, right? <laughs> Cleveland didn't win. I thought they were going to win after that forced fumble. God, finish the game, you morons. That's why you were 0-16. Okay. Anyhow. <clears throat> Where do I go from here? The Christian Potter Memorial for the day? Um... I don't know. It's like some of the play calling drove me nuts. You're you're ahead by how many points? Eight points? At some point, you're actually... I think, yeah, it was when you were ahead by even more, but it was at uh, one point by eight points. It's second down, and we're passing. We're passing. And then, and then third down, we're passing. I mean, what was it? Second and five with, like, three minutes left, and we're passing. I, I, I just... I didn't understand that. So some of the play calling is... Uh, I thought Filippo was good, creative here and there. But then there were play calls like that where, what are you doing? I mean, you, they gave a, they gave an immense amount of time for uh, San Francisco. Luckily, they ended up screwing it up anyway. Garoppolo with the interception and such. And the big sack by Harrison Smith. But, geez, uh, the, the interception, though, that sealed the deal. Yeah, that was humongous. But, my goodness, I mean... Why are we passing on second and five? What the hell? With with like you know with three minutes remaining in San Francisco with only one timeout remaining, I didn't understand that unless it was like an, a guaranteed type of play, and it was throwing in traffic. So some of the decision making was very questionable at the end of the day down the stretch. So I, I don't really want to name a player that I, I'm hugely frustrated with at the moment. The offensive line, you could say, I guess. The offensive line as a whole, not a very good game. But it's like you can harp on them forever. So, I don't know. You can harp on them forever. I mean, it, there's only so many negative things you can say over and over. But 
I guess it's kind of that. Whatever. Just just to be boring, and but to be blatantly honest. They're so key for the success of the, this team this season. So that's kind of where we stand at this moment. That's the Christian Potter Memorial. The urban legend of the day. Could it be that play call? I mean, the urban legend. I love bringing that back up. Is it? Is it that play call? Is that an urban legend? Like why you would pass? We'll say the offensive line gets the Ponder Memorial because it's got to be a player or a group of players. The urban legend has got to be passing on second and third down, up by eight, and you're passing on second and third down. You know, when you're on your like your 30-yard line, you're it's now you know, just very strange, very strange. Why not run the clock? Run the clock, at least get them to burn their time out, whatever it is. Very strange play calling there. That's an urban legend for me. Another one, I guess, is that 7-0 record by Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess that's kind of out the window because he didn't look awfully good. And I know his teammates didn't help him on some of those wide-open plays, but still, some of those passes, overthrown, this and that, inaccurate, and a very key interception at the end of the day, not only to Harrison Smith, but also to uh, <clears throat> Xavier Rose. That was the second one. The first one to Mike Hughes was crucial as well, a pick six. That's kind of an urban legend as well, that 7-0 and record. It doesn't look so good now, does it? So with that, we'll take a quick break as I stumble all over myself, drive myself crazy. This was not the funnest game to watch. Hopefully you get some more entertaining football coming up. Ooh, boy, it felt like the first week of the preseason, uh, first week of the preseason versus the regular season in a way. But uh, luckily we won and it counts this time. So we'll just leave it at that. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, NFL Roundup, and of course, preview segment, and of course, the old uh, NFC North Roundup. Lots of interesting action going on there, at least between the two teams that are the most bitter and oldest rivals in the NFL, Chicago and Green Bay. Unfortunately, that's a Sunday night game, as most of you know, and at this point, it's nearing halftime. The score had become 10 to nothing. Aaron Rodgers was struggling, and then next thing you know, he's carted off with... To me, it looked like it could be an ankle injury, an Achilles tendon tear. I don't know, but something's not right, and he was carted off. Uh, looked kind of, I don't know. He he had a look on his face of, it didn't look like I'm done, but it looked like I might be done for a while. I, I have no idea what to make of it. Achilles tear, broken ankle, maybe none of the above. Maybe it's just a sprained ankle, and they're just being very precautionary. But I don't know. He didn't look too excited on his face, so... Hard to say what to think about this. Uh, the Bears were already leading 10 to nothing in Lambeau Field, so extremely, <laughs> they were already leading 10 to nothing before the injury took place, so extremely encouraging for the Bears at this point. Uh, interesting historical record is that uh, the Bears had not had a 10 point lead over the Green Bay Packers since sometime in 2007. Wow, that's kind of harsh. So the rivalry kind of one sided the last. 11 years or so, but, well, 10 years, because it's, it's changing now, maybe, um, the last 10 years or so, so we'll just have to let that kind of play out as is, we'll let this game continue, uh, Deshaun Kaiser with a very deep pass, getting his team in the, the red zone, so they may finally score a point before halftime, but, uh, yeah, Deshaun Kaiser, the former Cleveland Browns quarterback, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, you might as well open up with that for the very brief roundup. 
The Browns had a chance to win the game. They ended up going into a tie with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, unfortunately, they just could not get the job done, even though they forced uh, Ben Roethlisberger. They forced a fumble on him in scoring uh, scoring territory, and they still didn't score. So, that's great. Uh, Thursday night, Philadelphia-Atlanta. Boy, this game haunts us all here, doesn't it? Because remember last year, for some strange reason, these two prolific offenses were never prolific against each other last year in that divisional uh, championship round, or divisional round, we'll call it, in the NFC. Philadelphia Eagles barely squeak it out, and uh, Matt Ryan just could not get the pass to Julio Jones at the time. And while you're seeing some of that inaccuracy again in Philadelphia, and the Eagles win again 18-12, to in a game that was basically looked like it was the Philadelphia Phillies versus the Atlanta Braves for the longest time. Ultimately, though, Eagles win again. Woohoo. Isn't that just the most happy, wonderful thing ever? No. The other uh, <laughs> the other division rival, them being the Detroit Lions, they will be hosting the New York Jets. Teddy's former club, Teddy's preseason club, we'll call it, and the Los Angeles Rams will be playing the Oakland Raiders. Years ago, that could have been the two L.A. teams. Back in the 80s, we'll say, when the Rams were in there, were in Los Angeles before they moved away, and now now are back. And, of course, the Raiders were in Los Angeles after they had left Oakland and moved back to Oakland in 96, and now are leaving Oakland again for Las Vegas. That's kind of twisty and crazy. Cincinnati 34-23 to over Andrew Lux Colts in Indianapolis, so nice start for the Cincinnati Bengals, I suppose, and the Colts just, hmm, I don't know what to think about that anymore. It's just an absolute utter mess. I'm kind of curious about this one a little bit, but yes, Luck back playing again, and he had the yardage and all that, but they just didn't win the game. Adam Vinatieri still in Indianapolis after all those years with New England and now many years with Indianapolis. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's just been there forever. And seen a lot of losing ever since 2009 when they were good. And then all of a sudden when Peyton Manning had the neck injury and they haven't been really good ever since. I suppose they had that one good year back in 2014. But then things have gone way south for that franchise since then. Joe Mixon, 95 yards. Almost six yards a carry. Good for him. (laughs) Very, very strong performance. So we can kind of move on from this game. Though Cincinnati, first place from AFC North. Baltimore, my goodness. We're going to look at that one in a second. Houston got beat by the New England Patriots today. Uh, Mr. Watson back in action again. Good for him. Tom Brady's Patriots, though, got the job done again, 27-20. to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, 27-20 to performance. Uh, Watson, certainly not the numbers he was putting up last year. So kind of off to a slow start for him, but I suppose the Patriots' defense, just, you know, they're bend but not break, but maybe they're a little better now. As uh, <laughs> their Patricia is on his way off to Detroit, obviously. And I'm not too optimistic about that club, to be quite fair. Burkhead, that's the running back in New England, I guess, at this point. Yeah, just like Woodhead years ago, too. Ah, boy. Whoever the New England running back is, it's kind of like running back du jour. You might as well just call him that, because that's basically what the story is. <clears throat> Miami Dolphins with an impressive win over Tennessee, but of course Mariota was hurt 27-20 to there. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let's look at this one. In New Orleans, you know the team that I picked to win the NFC this year? Well, they scored 40 points, and they were huge, but Tampa Bay scored 48 points in this game? Tampa Bay? What? That just don't make sense, Joe. Uh, <laughs> 48 points for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just kind of roll all over the New Orleans Saints, which none of us are really dropping a tear right now. Maybe Brent Jacobson is because he loves the Saints for some strange reason. Um, okay. 
well, Kamara was good and stuff. And then Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. And, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, remember, with the Jets. Yeah, four touchdowns, 417 yards. A perfect quarterback rating. Perfect. uh, 156.3, a perfect quarterback rating. He completed 75% of his passes. I mean, what the hell? (laughs) Drew Brees completed completed over 82%. uh, 45 attempts as well. 439 yards, three touchdowns. So if you like no defense, it's a very fun game to watch. Um, What the hell? Kamara with two touchdowns rushing. Only eight rushes overall, but managed to get in the end zone twice, so kind of a goal line threat in that sense. But we'll look on the other side. 112 yards receiving, like I said on the previous episode. Alvin Kamara is a hybrid. He is a receiving back. like a He's just a futuristic running back. He, he's a hybrid who's more of a receiving back than a running back. Hell, Alvin Cook was like that today as well. 112 yards, eight catches in the game. He was targeted 12 times, just like Adam Thielen. Michael Thomas, a guy Sebastian bashed a couple years ago, thinking he wasn't that good. Well, he's pretty good now, and obviously both of us, and I mean both of us, because neither of us were all that high on Laquan Treadwell, would prefer Michael Thomas over Treadwell, and Treadwell was taking quite a few picks over Thomas, so we're still kind of feeling the pain there. Uh, Michael Thomas, nice pick by the Saints a few years ago, but they still didn't win the game, and I guess old crab legs wasn't necessary. Maybe they just didn't care about him at the end of the day, and no, I'm kidding. Uh, but maybe he's more of a negative than a positive at this point. Ryan Fitzpatrick with one of his annual explosive type games that makes you say, holy cow, we gotta we got to make him a starter somewhere. <laughs> That's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jacksonville in New York, kind of a meh game. Not a good start for Pat Shermer hosting the Jaguars, but I suppose the Jaguars almost won the AFC last year. They almost beat the Patriots and would have got creamed by the Eagles probably, but who knows? Who knows? History is what it is, and we can't re- repeat it now. 20-15 to 15 in New York. Congratulations to the Jaguars squeaking out that one. Good defense. Uh, Fournette was injured in that game as well, so <clears throat> injuries are continuing. That first week of the preseason, if you can survive the first couple of weeks, it's like good. Now now maybe you got a chance here, but the preseason itself and then the first couple of weeks of the regular season, all these freak injuries tend to happen, and uh, well, maybe Rodgers is on that list again. Is it? Yeah, I mean ankle kind of ankle foot kind of awkward position I think something might have broke I don't know he's walking though so there he is walking he was walking to the cart so I don't know uh an Achilles tear I don't think he'd be walking I think he would be yeah I don't know Baltimore Ravens 47 to 3 47 to 3 you heard that correctly that's uh oh my god that uh pretty much sums it up I don't even know what to say about that one. Um, go Baltimore, I guess. Maybe maybe some of you out there were right. They were thinking Baltimore might be a, a sneaky team over there in the AFC. I don't know what to make about this. Uh, Joe Flacco looks better again. Buffalo's defense was kind of good, I thought, but not in this game. Uh, 47-3, to but it's the first week of the season. A lot of weird stuff happens. Josh Allen entered the game, and he's not ready for the big time. 40%. Nathan Peterman... Didn't even belong out there. Wow. Not even 30% completion. 5 of 18. Two interceptions. Looked like Dog Dookie. A zero quarterback rating. Lamar Jackson attempted his first pass and completed uh, one of them (laughs) out of four attempts for 24 yards. That's cute, I guess. But uh, great game by Joe Flacco. I guess he's like, okay, now that you're finally lighting a fire under me, I'm going to start looking like a good quarterback again. Because Flacco was a decent quarterback. 
just the last couple of years, it's like he went into hibernation or something. I don't even understand what happened there. Um, the wealth was spread around all over the place. Nobody was dominant in the receiving category, per se. But um, amazing game for Baltimore. Defensive touchdowns, offensive touchdowns, a little bit of everything. Something that could have went the Vikings' way today, but it didn't quite head that direction. But at least we won the game, I suppose. Kansas City over the Chargers. So there's your AFC opponent <laughs> for the Patriots, in my opinion, in the AFC title, uh, title game. They lose by 10 to the Chiefs. 10 to the Chiefs, so at, at home. So that's not good. Not protecting home field, also great. Philip Rivers with his uh, typical 400 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. That's pretty much Philip Rivers in a nutshell when you look at that. But um, Patrick Mahomes, nice, amazing debut for Patrick Mahomes. And this is against a very good Chargers defense. That's one of the reasons I thought that the Chargers just might be in the AFC title game this year. And, of course, Phillip Rivers, who throws three touchdowns every game. Every freaking game. Todd Mahomes, not the most accurate, sexy statistics, but still four touchdowns in the game, and he did not throw an interception. So, wonderful start for Pat, Patrick Mahomes. The, uh, of course, he's the junior, uh, he's Pat Mahomes Jr., basically. Son of former Twins pitcher Pat Mahomes. I believe Pat Mahomes played for the Chicago Cubs as well. Maybe the Boston Red Sox. Kareem Hunt, one of those phenoms last year as well. I believe he got hurt, didn't he? Uh, but a great uh, great game for him. He didn't get hurt in this game, but last year at some point. Overall, wonderful game for that club. And again, there's Tyree Kill exploding for 169 yards, two touchdowns for him. Overall, awesome game for the Kansas City Chiefs. And wow, okay, so maybe the Chiefs are kind of sort of for real. Denver Broncos, there's a rematch of that Super Bowl a few years ago, the 2013 Super Bowl. No Richard Sherman anymore. Ooh, 27-24. Denver actually beat Seattle and in a nothing bowl, in my opinion. I don't even think either of these two teams is going to make the playoffs. And I'm happy to see Seattle lose because I can't stand them. And if uh, Russell Wilson gets a crack in the playoffs, watch out. It's always dangerous. He threw two interceptions. Not the best game for him. Case Keenum looked like the uh, Los Angeles Rams Case Keenum, or I guess kind of like the Vikings. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. So I guess that's Case Keenum for you. A few erratic plays, nice numbers with 329 yards, but overall kind of a wild, wild night for him, or wild afternoon, I should say, for the former Minnesota Vikings quarterback, Case Keenum. Uh, nice to see him get three touchdowns, but, well, and the win, but kind of an erratic game, and He's certainly no long-term solution for those Broncos, is he, if, if he's going to have games like that. But luckily, again, beat Seattle, so good for him. Another kind of nothing burger game, in a way. Alex Smith, 24 points, 24-6 to over the Cardinals in Arizona. That's nice. Good for the Washington, <laughs> for the Washington Redskins. Alex Smith, nice debut for him. I'd have to say Sam Bradford, not so much. Only an interception, 153 yards, 57 quarterback rating. Alex Smith on the other side, very solid. And about basically what you'd expect. Two touchdowns, 250 yards, 118. That's kind of like Alex Smith, 118 quarterback rating. Not bad. Um, I guess they like him more than uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Cousins wasn't great down the stretch in this game. But um, I don't know. We've seen worse, I suppose. A lot worse. Final game here to look at and not really. Uh, Carolina Panthers beat the Cowboys 16-8. to What kind of score is that? I don't know. I guess touchdowns and extra uh, and uh, going for two. I guess 
good job, Carolina, getting the job done, sort of. Uh, Cam Newton with the kind of numbers he's been getting most of the time. About 60 rushing yards, 161 passing, and only one touchdown. Certainly not putting up the MVP numbers he used to. And Dak Prescott, boy, oh boy, looking more and more like he was just kind of a semi-fluke a couple of years ago. The Cowboys, certainly not that 3-13 and team they once were. And that's fine with me, because I don't think any of us really like the Cowboys all that much. So should we talk about the Packers? Of course, the Detroit Lions play next week. Uh, play next week. Play tomorrow night, pardon me. <laughs> what am I talking about? Against the Jets. So good luck to them. And again, the Rams go to Oaktown. So somebody's got to lose that game, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, Green Bay Packers, who's going to be the quarterback? Well, now this kind of semi-changes things. And now maybe the Vikings really are going to be 12-4 and this year because you sweep the Packers, I think 12-4 and looks possible. I don't think the Packers are going to win in U.S. Bank Stadium. Chicago is now up 17 to nothing. That looks uh, really, really bad for Green Bay. The Packers failed to score. Uh, Khalil Mack with a huge play there. He is really, really making his presence felt for the Bears already. And there's that Ditka imitator right there with a cigar in his mouth. A cigar. Got it like that. Um, let's just sit here. I know. This is kind of on the fly here. Why not? Kaiser, what the hell was that? Khalil Mack with a pick six. Great play, Kaiser. That's that's great. <laughs> nice play, Kaiser. Well, I bet Packer Nation is kind of like, okay, well, I'm not feeling too bad about it. I like the Bears more than the Packers. I know that's not saying much because I'm scared to death of them right now. <laughs> yep, pick six. Devontae Adams could not bring him down. Oh, I feel so bad. But um, at the same time, Hard to say. Well, I like our chances going into Green Bay next week a little more than I did before, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. We should win. What's going to happen with Rodgers? If Deshaun Kaiser's the quarterback, I think the Vikings' chances of winning are <laughs> exponential. No disrespect to Kaiser, but he's not that good, obviously. The Vikings beat Cleveland last year after screwing around for as long as we did. That was kind of stupid last year, and I think everybody would agree with that statement. Like, what the hell was that? I don't know. I mean, Devontae Adams, obviously, is a good receiver and all that. He didn't have his best game. It seemed like Rodgers was out of sync pretty much from the get-go. The Bears just look like a different team than last year. and They're going to be... They're going to be our... More than likely, the way things are shaping up here, they're going to definitely be our most staunch opponent the rest of the season, I think. And It's going to be tough. Winning in Soldier Field is never easy. But we're not talking about the Bears. We're talking about the Packers. And I'm just kind of thrown off here. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is out, well, how do the Vikings not win the game? <clears throat> that would mean they would be completely screwing around, kind of like taking the whole game for granted. That's how you'd lose the game. Kaiser's got enough talent to do something. <clears throat> well, I would hope he wouldn't kind of just fling the ball right into Khalil Mack like he did... Uh, <laughs> like, you know, right over to Anthony Barr. But then again, I would hope he would do that. It's just for their sake, you'd hope he wouldn't do something like that again. Um, that would be great if he did. There's just certain quarterbacks in this league, when they go down, the season's over. And depending on how many games the guy misses, if he misses like two or three games, okay. But if we're talking like maybe a broken leg or broken ankle, which, or a, or a, uh, Achilles tendon here. It's one of those three things. It's broken leg, broken ankle, or Achilles tendon. If it's just sprained, I'd be very surprised. 
Now, he was walking, so maybe it is just sprained. Maybe it is just sprained. It's just that look in his face. Didn't look good, so I don't know what to make of it. Um, there might be a crack somewhere. Maybe it's cracked. Like, it's not like the biggest thing ever. <sighs> Who knows? <sighs> you know, now I'm just sitting here, stuck in limbo. <laughs> I have to pick a Vikings win, I guess. I mean, I have to pick a Vikings win. Uh, they don't look good to begin with, unless for some reason Rodgers comes back with a vengeance and he's spectacular. But getting carted off, that's just not good. Uh, Ty Montgomery's an okay running back. He's solid, this and that, but he's not going to make any. He's not going to knock anyone's socks off. He's really not. Um, Devontae Adams is obviously a good receiver, but like I was saying earlier, out of sync. Seemed like with uh, Aaron Rodgers from the get-go. Trubisky seems to be having a. He's having a decent game now. He <laughs> they they blew a fourth down earlier where he ran into his lineman. I don't know if the lineman was in the way or he wasn't paying attention, but kind of a combination of both. Um, but still 17 points on the board against a Packers defense that we thought was a little better with a couple of nice additions in that secondary. But still not so much to say. Um, again, the numbers for these Packers players were not good before Rodgers got hurt. So that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have came back and made things interesting because that possibility exists, especially in Lambeau Field. But I don't know, man. Uh, Josh Jackson obviously has his value. Jerry Alexander, both of those guys have their value. And they were huge, huge additions for the Green Bay Packers in the 2018 draft. But again, they're rookies, just like Mike Hughes. They're rookies. Uh, Jackson's way up there, though. I mean, and Alexander, both of these guys, big, big shots coming into the draft. A lot of people very excited about them. Uh, some people wanted them to come, at least one of those two, to come to the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe you take a lineman in the first round and you get lucky in another, or you trade up early for to get uh, Jackson, something like that early in the second round or right away in the first round again, something like that. But that's not what took place this year. The only trade-up we did was for Daniel Carlson, and he made a 48-yarder today, so that's great. I don't know. Um, Clay Matthews likes to fly like a bird and fly away, I guess, according to that song, much to uh, Aaron Rodgers' chagrin. And I'm not trying to make puns here. I'm kind of like I'm kind of like that, that, that late-night host who's waiting for his guest to come and the guest isn't showing up and everybody's like, where is the guest? That's kind of like what's happening right now because, you know, Rodgers gets hurt just like that and I guess the chances of the Vikings winning are much higher, especially if he's out. <laughs> so we're gonna, I'm going to assume Aaron Rodgers is out. Deshaun Kaiser is the quarterback. This uh, Packers defense is going to be better, without a doubt, than it was a year ago. But then again, look at Chicago. And they were... Overall, this Bears team is improving in a big way. A lot of people out there thought, oh, it's too early, they suck. But then yet at the same time, these same people are like, well, San Francisco's like maybe almost a borderline Super Bowl contender or at least a division champion type of team, 10-6, and 11-5, and five, and we'll go from there, that type of situation. Uh, you know, let's, you know, it's like I think we need to simmer on the 49ers a tiny bit. They're dangerous and everything, but... They didn't look that good, and obviously the Vikings' defense is amazing. I mean, if Kaiser's the quarterback, <laughs> Packers might not even score. It might be a shutout, just like last year with, uh, what was that guy's name? Now, I'm, I... <sighs> we'll come back to that in a minute, but... Uh... <laughs> they might not score a point. They're not scoring against this much-improved Chicago defense. It was getting better last year. And for all of you that said Chicago's defense sucked last year, no, it didn't particularly by the end of the year. Didn't you see how frustrating they were to play against? Do you remember that, how ugly that game was? 
Week 17 last year, ugly bleeping game. It was. So don't tell me this Bears defense wasn't already getting better. And then you add a defensive MVP type of player uh, for two first-round picks, by the way. It wasn't free, but uh, still, huge addition. It's a, it's a game-changer, and this Bears team is uh, going to be uh, knocking on the door. They're going to be knocking on the door of something here. They might they might squeak into the wild card this year, if, especially if Green Bay is not going to be around. If the Bears sweep the Packers and they get a win over the Vikings, you get three out of four type of a, a games right there against Minnesota and Green Bay. Your chances of making the playoffs pretty, pretty damn good, and your confidence is going to be pretty damn high as well. So, um, yes, noon in Lambeau Field. I think the Vikings' chances of sweeping. See, the good news here, too, if obviously if Rodgers is not going to play in this game, and we'll worry about much later in the season in the U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings' chances... Uh, of sweeping the Packers again, well, kind of high, and that could mean eleven and five, twelve and four. Uh, I had the Vikings at eleven and five, but losing in Lambeau Field. That was one of the games the Vikings would lose, which obviously you reserve the right. Maybe you end up losing in Seattle or or Los Angeles, that type of thing. But if the Vikings are able to win that this upcoming road game and still win in Seattle and Los Angeles, twelve and four type of season, that would be pretty damn awesome. And that's with losing in Detroit too. You gotta you gotta factor in so. Could be in a, could be a wonderful season for the Vikings again. Fortune smiling on us one more time, even though you don't really want to count on guys getting hurt <laughs> to have a good season. Well, sometimes things happen and you take advantage of it. You don't just lay down and say, "I'm so sorry he got hurt," and we'll lose on purpose because we're sympathetic for your loss. Nobody did that for us before, and nobody did that for the Eagles either. And look what the Eagles did. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, the Vikings should have a. Uh, the Vikings' chances of winning this game are extremely high. There's really no excuse for the Vikings to not win this game, in my opinion. Honestly, no excuse. The Vikings need to win this game. They need to take advantage of the situation, uh, regardless. Even if it's just Aaron Rodgers is struggling, this and that, he, they, the Vikings need to take advantage of the situation and get the job done. As far as I'm concerned, I'm moving the volume around. I hope this doesn't making things rough here, but. Um, I don't know. I think the Vikings need to take advantage of the situation and get the job done as far as I'm concerned. So with that, I'm picking a Minnesota Vikings victory. Surprise, surprise. Kirk Cousins is going to throw for more yardage today than he did against the San Francisco 49ers. I think more yardage, more numbers. I think you're going to see improvement. The offensive line should do fine against this Packers front line. At least I hope. Uh, Clay Matthews will probably get in there, though, get a sack like he always does. Maybe get a turnover as well. But other than that, I think Minnesota should win the game 27 to some low score, like like 10 or 7. I, I can't pick a shutout because that's crazy. I mean, how long was it since the last time the Vikings got their uh, they got the shutout last year in Lambeau Field for the first time since 1970? So you can't count on that happening. That's almost 50 years ago. So 20, 27 to 7, I think the Vikings are going to win a, a commanding. They're going to have a commanding victory in Lambeau Field if Aaron Rodgers is not there. If he is, well, somehow I think the Vikings are still going to win the game. I do. I mean, the Packers don't look good. They weren't looking good already. I was intrigued by this. So I think if Rodgers is healthy, it's going to be like 27-24, 20, 27-20, something like that, 21. But I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to win this game. And you just might see a 12-4 record or, of course, switcheroo with one of those uh, Seattle or Los Angeles road games coming up. So that's pretty much where I stand now. It's tough. Again, it's tough to say. There, yep. So, <laughs> it's tough to say what's going to happen. 
significant injury here, possibly. And, well, there was a lot of pressure put on that lower ankle injury. It looks like he might be. He's standing out there, so maybe he will be playing. So, like, but like I said, <laughs> I think the Vikings still are going to beat the Packers, though. I have a feeling the Vikings could, could beat the Packers in Lambeau Field. <sighs> Wishful thinking, possibly, but we'll see what happens. It looks like he's back. Looks like Aaron Rodgers is back. So, good for him, I suppose. <laughs> there he is. So, I'm going to stick with it. 27-24. I've said it. i got to stick with it. 27-24, Minnesota over Green Bay in a very, very, very close game. Hoping for the best there. It's going to be scary. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I think the Vikings are going to turn him over. I think they're going to frustrate him, and we'll do just enough. 27-24, Minnesota wins. Let's get to fan interaction right after this. This message is for Joey Weizen and Purple Mafia. Your long-lost friend, Brent Jacobson, here. Calling from the freight elevator at U.S. Bank Stadium, where I usually work. Anyways, questions on the game. Love the defense. Love the offense. Special teams was awesome, too. Give me a fun season. We'll see how it goes. Keep up the book, Joey. Love the show. It's around. And I thank you for that call in, Brent. Calling in from the elevator there at US Bank Stadium. Very cool. That's actually a nice touch. Calling in right there at the right there at the, the scene of the crime, so to speak. The uh, place where the Vikings took care of the San Francisco 49ers. Ugly game, but luckily a win. I, I, I hear you about the special teams. Yeah, like special teams coverage. I was probably too harsh. It's the returning. Nothing really to say about the returning for the most part. But the special team coverage was outstanding, yes. So they do get a ton, a ton of credit for that, without a doubt. So thank you for that call in. Really nice and uh, good to hear from you. And thank you for the kind words there. Let's go to Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show, to hear from Mad Martin and others out there. Or so I'd like to believe. Wow, Mad Martin, very busy. Yep, James Beck out of the UK as well. And that is where we left off, yes. I want to thank Tanay, Malcolm, and Vince Germano for retweeting the last show. Thank you very much, Tanay, out of New Zealand. Malcolm, out of Northern California. And Vince Germano, out of Melbourne, Australia. Thank you guys very much for the retweets. Very, very much appreciated. So... We can move up here. James Beck out of the UK. He says, to celebrate the season kicking off today, I'm wearing my Vikings number 19 dress. Yes, it's it's, it's a size or two too big. And yes, it's a cheap Chinese knockoff. Do I care though? Skull Vikings. And yep, I, I hear you there. Because then you could, you're at least wearing purple and it, it's a Viking uniform. Yep, cheap Chinese knockoff. I, I got that with a Bridgewater jersey a couple of years ago. Me and Sebastian did that a couple of years ago. And then the guy gets hurt. Gosh, that was a bummer. Um... What was I saying? Because he was responding to me about something. Let's see. I see. I said, we will see defense is set, O-line less so. What was uh, Somebody responded to him. I think, yep. Yeah. Well, we'll kind of leave that as is. It's somebody else, I believe. Uh, he was saying, didn't get what we needed in the draft and injuries preseason. Yep, that really did hurt in a big way. I was saying that's my biggest concern about this season. Hopefully someone unexpectedly steps up and is better than we thought, and that will be a big thing. James Fox, that's who was another good season for you boys, no doubt. And 
I hope so. I hope so. Cautiously optimistic here. Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland says, My my afternoon entertainment pregame, as always. My Purple Brother, great podcast. Loving your predictions and the suggestions you're having. Other than the O-line, <laughs> this is a very solid unit. I'm going on the Grey Duck buzz. Every team has a weak area, so I'm going 12-4 and four and a trip to the Super Bowl. The D is upper echelon. Yes, that's true. <laughs> up, up there with the Purple People Eaters, we will see playmakers everywhere at a young roster. I should say you're having... I should say struggle. You're having with the Purple Predictions, so... Oh, yeah. Yep, he's saying the audio auto spell. Yeah, that drives me nuts, too. Totally hear you there. It was, yeah, I, and it drives me crazy when that happens, too. Matt Martin says, my biggest fear is making the playoffs and having a trip down to the land of, of the Taints. Yep. Well, lucky for us, Tampa Bay showed up to play today, boy. 48 points in the land of the Taints. So, well, we, we, we're a game ahead of the Taints so far for that home field advantage, and Look at the look, look at the difference. Look at the difference. You play at home against the Taints, and things happen differently. Or should we say the Saints? Mad Martin continues saying Houston has a terrible O line. Will derail them. Got to go with Jacksonville. The Chargers are my AFC pick for making the Super Bowl. Sneaky good D and Mr. Rivers. Yep, they have a sneaky good D, all right. So you're basically thinking Jacksonville versus the Chargers, huh? In the AFC, not the Patriots at all, huh? He said, "I just got your AFC prediction on the same wavelength, brother." Our RD does the does its job. We make that championship game, but we need home field advantage, no doubt about it. And there he is, Mad Martin putting uh, Purple Mafia there on his, on his main screen there on the monitor. Thank you very much. You're my man at Loft TV. Thank you for having me up there. <laughs> That's cool. That's the Purple Mafia logo with me on it. it says I'm usually low key, but hell, we are stacked on D. I have. Uh, have upgraded a quarterback and two standout wide receivers and a very good ground game is over once. I will be optimistic. The D alone should be enough to win a number of games. And they were today. Agree, the NFC has some seriously good teams, but probably 30 other teams would die to have the Vikings roster. Mm-hmm. Would love a championship game against the... Where did that go? Against the Saints at our place. Man, I still hate that team. I do too. So Terry Bradshaw said the Packers will win the North on paper. How? Vikes almost went to the Super Bowl, improved their team in the offseason. Packers got Rodgers back, but one big hit from a Bears new man, and season is over. Interesting you would say that, but um, it looks like he is back, believe it or not. We'll see what happens. Mm. Well, he completed a pass to Devontae Adams. Well, so Rodgers is back for now. <laughs> Who knows, though? Maybe it's going to be Ginger for a while. He doesn't look too... He doesn't look like he's enjoying himself out there. He looks like he's like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, yep, okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Interesting you should mention that, though. Cannot disagree. The last six quarters of football was horrendous on the defensive side of the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo did slice up the Jaguars' D last season. This will be interesting. I might be a little behind you streaming this game, but like what I'm seeing so far, two sacks already going to be a long day if the O-line continues to play like it did on that last drive. Cousins quarterback rating only 115. Is it time to cut him? And it's like, yep. As I said, as long as the Saints lose. Oh, a couple of people like that one. Ali Sidikai and Skyuma. Mad Martin says, looking good. D's kept us in this game. Time for the O to put the nail in the coffin. We've had more than our fair share of drama-filled endings. What a BS tackle on the quarter. Yep, the same old thing again. Three and out. Smith Smith surely gets the Tarkington Award. 
Yep, and yes, yes, he did. Yep, he absolutely did get it, <laughs> without a doubt. Once he got that interception, that was it. So got that win, but the O made the second half hard going. D looks like the business, but other than some deep pass issues. Yeah, the offense really sputtered in that fourth quarter. They look like kind of like crap. And the defense, well, I mean, the running game for San Francisco had their moments because of the offensive line opened up some nice holes up the middle. So something to be concerned of a little bit. Hopefully we can, uh, we as in the Vikings can uh, get that done in time, can get that corrected a bit if possible, make the proper adjustments. And I never doubt that Mike Zimmer will be able to do that because Mike Zimmer makes lots of adjustments. He's like a defensive genius. So that's the end of Twitter. Thank you so much, Mad Martin and James back there. So let's continue off the last last episode 270 season preview on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Going to give a quick shout out to MN Vikes Haven. MN Vikes Haven, thank you very much for, or is it Vikings Haven, pardon me. Thank you so very much for allowing me to post links to this show on your Facebook page, nice in-game threads, uh, um, off-season news, or just very basic uh, team news, NFL news on that page. Highly encourage you to listen to it. Uh, Trevor Wickerin, a great guy out there, the founder of that website, as well as uh, <laughs> as well as Flip's Army for the Timberwolves. Gotta love that. So, Justin Mayer Henry. Well, nope. There's another one before that, and it's not showing up. Uh, where, where? Why isn't it? Oh, it is there. It says, Round Lake, how dare you? Ha ha. Yeah, because I was calling Lake Calhoun Round Lake since we can't call it anything else. Gotta love that. He's making fun of how people are overly sensitive, and they are. Leland out of Iowa says, thanks for the gold star. There was a lot of interesting conversations to partake the last couple of weeks, and I was telling you, yep, very well deserved, and he got a lot of conversations in there. Mark Carlson also out of Iowa says, I really enjoyed listening to this episode, and I'm so glad Purple Mafia is available as a podcast. It really makes it easy to listen to. This show was another doozy, and reminds me of how valuable it is to hear other people's comments read by the host. I try to keep up with what's going on with the team and follow the comments made on the Facebook page, but I miss some and read others, but somehow, but somehow forget them. There are always some very, very good points made when the show comes out and the comments are aired, so it's all clear. This is a great podcast because of that. And in a way, I feel as a fan, my voice is heard. And absolutely it is. And I love hearing everyone else's comments too, along with Joey Weiser's opinion, of course. <laughs> That's me. Yep. So thank you, Mark. That's a wonderful, heart heartfelt comment there. Uh, Gerald String out of Nebraska says, nice wrap up to the preseason and preview to the regular season. Dang, I think you predicted 24-17 with two touchdowns for Cousins to Diggs and Rudolph. Please, Joey, just keep predicting us to win. Isn't that crazy? You know, I didn't even realize it was that accurate. Obviously, off by just one point. Oh, and one other indentum and errata, too. I didn't even mention in the second segment. At the beginning of the first segment, did I really say 20 to 17? Or it's 24. 24 to 16, not 20 to 16. So that's really annoying that I did that. Uh, well, you guys know the score, and I'm not that stupid. 24 to 16. And plus, I mentioned it further on into the uh, second Wrong. So I'm seeing some swelling on Aaron Rodgers there, I believe. Little protection thrown in as well. A, a big brace there. So, yeah. Now it's 20 to nothing, by the way. As A-Rod just guiding his team down the field and what he hopes will be a great dramatic comeback. Sorry about uh Gerald Sring says, keep up the good work and looking forward to 2018 season. Skull Joey and Purple Mafia Nation. Let's keep moving here. 
the show's long. I kept going. That, that second segment's always super long. I got <laughs> Cedric Paulding. Okay, I was saying, yep, Rose will play Alexander out. Hughes will fill in at cornerback, and that's a historic moment there per Courtney Cronin of 1500 ESPN and, well, basically just generally ESPN now. Um, and the Purple, Purple Podcast. It's just called the Purple Podcast. Yep, Aaron Rodgers, 4th and 9, and they're going for it, I think. Sure looks like it. Or is he just yelling at people? I don't know. He's always yelling at people. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, How are you feeling about the O-line? Adequate so far, but Cook looks awesome. Blah, blah, blah. So now we're going to look at the final thoughts here in the in-game thread and then call it a show here with the post-game thoughts. Let's see if we can get this. Yep, there was a funny picture Tony Coleman posted that I was laughing too after... Uh, Adam Thielen made one of his catches. He was literally rolling on his helmet, kind of spinning like a top, if you can believe that, on his helmet for a couple, for about a second or two there. Pretty funny. Yep, Josh Mayer Henry also mentioning the great catch by Morgan, and I agree, David Morgan just rocks. Brett McCarthy was impressive, was very impressed with that drive. Tony Coleman loved that catch by Rudolph there, loves his, uh, that's one of his favorite players on the team. Dave Hickey was taking his time for Treadwell to get his first touchdown in his third season when Hughes gets one in his first game and first time he even touched the ball for Hughes. Took it all the way into the end zone. A surgical drive indeed. It was the one that put the Vikings up 24 to 10 at the time. No, not 10. 24 to 6 at the time. Put the Vikings in a very commanding lead. Felt very good and then things changed dramatically after that. Uh, saying boom, 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 like a technician. Can I say, can I say it's coming together? And yes, you can say it. Busted play, blah, blah. Brent Jacobson says, loving the defense and the offense today. I know it's just one game, but at this rate, this could be a Super Bowl season. And I, I wish, you know, it. I hope it does. I hope it does. Um, I want to get near the end here because some of these are kind of, Still ways off. Here we go. This was the interesting one right here. And this is as the Vikings were kind of getting things done here. Hitman with a huge sack and ultimately the interception that wrapped up the game. Absolutely huge. That was awesome. Um, Chester Mayor Henry was saying his sister is out of town and had to, and he had to take his niece to the ER. Asked her why. Say she said she said she had hurt herself while the Vikings were playing. A little jerk, he called her, <laughs> just kind of having fun. And it looks like she may have broken her ankle. Let's see, there is a reply in here. And they said nothing was broken. Oh, good. It's just really swollen. So that's good. Sorry to see it swollen, though. It must be badly bruised. Um, boy, that looked like it could have broken. Oof. Ah, that's nice that it's not broken, though. Ah, boy, how do, you, how do you get it to swell that much? And no bruising yet, but I'm sure there will be. I'm glad it's not broken, though, so... Hopefully that heals up nicely there for your uh, niece there, Justin Mayor Henry. Uh, Jeff Froyland saying, hell yeah, the hitman delivered. Brett McCarthy said that. Josh Mayor Henry says, hitman with a game winner. Yep, Josh, J Justin Mayor Henry and Josh Mayor Henry, both very active today. Very cool conversation. He said he missed it. Someone posted a video with that interception. Jeff Froyland says, didn't you pick the Vikings to go 24-17? to Good call. Yep, I missed it by one. It's 24-16. to Pretty insane. Tony Coleman says it wasn't pretty. I certainly hope both the offense and defense play better against Green Bay next week. And they're still going to need to, despite the maybe Rodgers and the Packers are going to be a little bit out of it here. Only three points for the Packers so far. 
with about three and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter. So, whew, duh. Post-game thread. Let's get this show wrapped up here before it gets too much longer. <laughs> I've enjoyed the heck out of it, though. Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, Thank God for our defense. Need to clean up the O-line pass protection. That's for damn sure. Jeff Froyland, also out of Iowa, I believe, right? Uh, he says, Great game. Everybody always says the first couple of games are just an extension of the preseason, so it's supposed to be a little sloppy. The only problem I had was there was an awful lot of red in the stands. What the hell? And there really was. It looked like the 49ers game, practically. Gerald Swing out of Nebraska says, Not a great finish when we had them pinned down 24-6. to Yep, 24-6. to We were killing them. But we'll take the W. Still optimistic what Cousins could do when he gets more comfortable with the offense. Some seen some nice glimpses today. Yep, it, it really did look good at some moments. Still looks like a championship caliber defense school on winning season over. It could be a big deal later on. Yeah, I mean, this could be one of those pivotal games, just like the uh, the Los Angeles Rams last year. That pretty much sealed the deal for the uh, first round bye. That was a huge win, man. Dave Vicky says, wow, a win is a win. It was scary at times, as always. There was a lot of missed calls by the refs. Oh, and one thing, too, about Dave Vicky that I've got to mention. I was kind of looking for it in the in-game thread, and I didn't get to it. Ultimately, Dave Vicky literally called the interception because the game was close. We were both struggling this and that. It was a, a game that was just kind of screwing around. It was a 10 to 6 game and then a 10 to 3 game, pardon me. 10 to 3 game where the 49ers looked like they might be ready to drive and get something going here. And then he was with the crucial interception. He just he just waited, anticipated Garoppolo's throw and got the interception and took it to the house to make it 17 to 3. But they're giving the Vikings a commanding lead. Well, Dave Hickey literally called it like we need a, that big, we need a, you know, literally like a, we need the defense to score here. And then it literally happened within seconds. So Dave Hickey, massive star candidate for that one. That was, that was huge. You literally, uh, you literally called it within seconds. It wasn't even a minute. Uh, Eric Mustard says Harrison Smith is worthy of every penny and maybe some of Cousins' salaries. The Vikings are paying him. A sack, an interception, eight total tackles, two for a loss. Yep, and both in crucial con uh, moments there. Yankee Zong, uh, Yankee Zong says, and a lot of sportscasters had Jimmy on a win streak till their week five or more, but we sure showed them, and that's for damn sure. Good call there, Yankee. Dave Hickey says, Terry the Hitman was definitely a beast in this game. The defense played good. They played the bend but don't break mentality. Yep, that's exactly it. Good call, and that's what I'm talking about too. That's kind of what it's been like. Men but don't break. We tend to give up the yardage, but then the other team, if they get if they get their big play, they, they only win it with a field goal. Otherwise, they end up going three and out, and the defense is dominant. And maybe we bend, but then still don't allow the other team to get whoever they are, 49ers, uh, Baltimore Ravens, God knows who they are, Detroit Lions. Not only do they not uh, get in the end zone, but they don't even get into field goal range at the end of the day, where we'll give up a play or two, but then, wham, we'll get a tackle for loss or two or three, and the next thing you know, the other team's punting. Or they have to make a 51-yarder. When it looked like they were going to get in the end zone, standing up. And it ended up not being the case. So, awesome call there, Dave Hickey. Uh, Leland jumps in and says, defense had a great showing. Offense just felt clunky. Yeah, it did. But I also, but there were some wonderful moments. Uh, but I also feel within time, this could be something stellar. Uh, agreed. O-line really struggled. But I still have to give them props considering what they had to work with. Number 22 just might have to be one of my next jerseys. Skull. 
awesome. And that would be make it a very nice jersey. He's a very, 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 very popular guy. There was a post in here, and I got to see it real quick from... There it is, Ali Siddiqui. He was posting... Uh, it was a uh, Friday. Oh, something's popping up here. Oh, come on. Now everything's messed up. <laughs> Ali Siddiqui. Let's look at that post here. It's like a humanly... Dang it. What was it again? They won't even let me. Well, it was a pro football... Yep, here we go. I'll just click on the whole thing. Pro football spot. It was a flashback Friday, and it was talking about the Minnesota Vikings win back in 2012 over the San Francisco 49ers with the number seven at quarterback there, Christian Bonder. That was a very exciting win for the Vikings. And I'm going to tell you something up, and Ali Siddiqui wrote this article, and it's very nice and highly recommended. And I'm sorry I didn't mention it sooner, but, well, here it is now, of course, on the Facebook page. Um, Ali Siddiqui writes very nice articles for Pro Football Spot for the Minnesota Vikings. And this is fun. It's fun to go back in time a little bit. This was a wonderful memory for me personally because it was the highest rated Minnesota uh, Purple Mafia show of all time. At the game, the podcast after this game was the highest rated Purple Mafia podcast of all time, believe it or not. Yep, not during the five years because, well, it was only my second year doing podcasting. And I don't know, the audio had improved because I'd got this better microphone, but maybe my name wasn't out there as much. Maybe a lot of people didn't listen to podcasts back then. Uh, very few of you are around. I know I'm pretty sure Tony was around and a few of you others as well. I think Justin Day, if he still listens to the show, I'm not sure if he does or doesn't. If he's still out there, Justin Day from Rochester, hopefully. Um, but I know he was a listener back then. Um, but in 2012, for sure, uh, that's when I met a lot of you. And boy, that was a big, big, big week for me. So a wonderful memory. Thank you, Ollie, for bringing that back. I appreciate that very very much, uh, much, much appreciate. Awesome article, Ali. So, with that said, let's pass out the stars and call it a show here. It's never easy. It's never easy. Who gets the who gets the stars for this episode? I got to give the gold star to Justin Mayer Henry. Uh, that was fun, fun interaction during the show today, and even showing the pictures from uh, the niece. I'm sorry to see that she hurt her ankle. I hope it's healing quickly. There, I'm glad it's not broken. Hopefully, uh, just a, it's a fast healing bruise, we'll call it. Uh, Dave Vicky, definitely a gold-plated silver star. You're pretty much as gold as it gets as well, Dave Vicky. Awesome week, awesome show. Um, out of Iowa, this uh, the bronze star. Boy, it could go to like just about, it could go to so many of you. Mark Carlson's got to get it for sure. I got to share it with some other people. Eric Mustard's got to get one this week and Leland. Leland's going to get one as well. And you know how like Gerald Strain could get one every week too. Like Leland's got to get another bronze star for this show. Uh, some thought processes uh, and all that. Um, Eric Mustard, nice nice takes on uh, Harrison Smith. And he's a fairly newcomer to the show. Awesome comments. Tony Coleman's always out there like gold star material every week. I mean, a lot of you guys are just the best. So well, I, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this show. It just brings life to it, brings a spark to it. And you're that you're that magic ingredient to the show that special uh, makes this show more special than the other Vikings podcasts out there that are also well made, well produced, well hosted, and all that. But <laughs> at the same time, you you guys are that magic ingredient. You truly are. So I can't thank you enough, and that's why I keep coming back, and that's why I love doing this show so much. Other than that relentless pursuit of that Super Bowl ring, the elusive Super Bowl ring. But even if the Vikings win five Super Bowls. I'll still be here, you know, as long as I can, as long as I can, as long as I have the time and the the, the freedom to do this show, as I don't get uh, if I don't get phased out by the uh, 
New World Order, like a lot of other people out there lately. Unfortunately, we'll leave that where that is. Um, as long as I don't get phased out because I'm not with the, you know, I'm not with the program, so to speak, as some people might say. So we'll just kind of leave that alone, leave that as is. That's a subtle message. <laughs> Look what I've just done, right? But um, with that, though, I do think the Vikings will beat the Packers. I don't think, I mean, three points against the Bears here. It's almost the fourth quarter. I'm pointing right at it here. Rodgers hurt. Rodgers healthy. They don't look good. They don't look good, man. Um, I like the Vikings' chances. I'm sure the Packers will be motivated, but they should be motivated to play the Bears, too, on the season opener. Um, so, And they're not. And they knew the Bears were ready to go. It's not even if they're not motivated. They're just not ready to play. They're losing. And they're getting beat soundly at the moment. So hopefully the Vikings' defense can continue to fluster Mr. Aaron Rodgers, and that's kind of the goal coming in here. So, all right, let's go. Let's go to 2-0 and leave those Packers in the dust.